Welcome to the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida. This week we're going to look at Proper 25. Proper 25. We are still in that apocryphal reading, which I'm going to skip, and concentrate once again on Revelation and Luke. Now, these middle chapters of Revelation are very difficult, very difficult, and I'll do the best that I can do, but I must admit to you, uh, this is a, uh, a, a tough series of passages. So what you want to do is you want to read them. You want to think about them. If you have a study Bible, you'll want to look at the bottom of your study Bible and read the notes. The study Bible will probably give you some good notes uh, on which to get some ideas on. The problem is that there are different interpretations because a lot of the symbols aren't easily recognizable, and different commentators draw from different books of the Bible and give different interpretations. So we're going to do the best we can. It's going to be much easier to look at the 11th chapter of the book of Luke. We've got 11 and 12 of Luke. In Revelation, we've got chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 13. So, Please open your Bible to Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. We're looking at chapter 11, 1 through 19. It'll be divided into two days, Monday and Tuesday. Now, we're going to talk in chapter 11 about the two witnesses. There are two olive trees, verse 4, and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power, verse 6, to shut the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that is symbolically called Sodom and Egypt, where the, their Lord was crucified. And he goes on and on. Now, I can't tell you who this person is or was exactly. But again, a commentary will help. Reading it will help. Being familiar with the text is a positive thing to do. Verse 14, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is soon to come. And so in verse 15, the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So eventually, the Lamb of God, Jesus, takes over as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then we're back to the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God. They fall on their faces and they worship God. Now, one of the wonderful things that's obvious about Revelation is the idea of worship. And it's a beautiful, verses 15 to 19 are very beautiful. 
We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. So, of course, God Almighty is a king, and he has a kingdom, and he's reigning over that kingdom. The nations raised, but raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Now, that's not hard to figure out. There'll be a reward for those who follow the Lord, and there'll be destruction for those that do not fear the Lord. That's a common theme of the Bible. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. So, we're often thought of as serious natural disasters be, are part of this symbolism. They're part of what God is doing. That's chapter 11. In chapter 12, we look at chapter 12 on Wednesday and Thursday, the woman and the dragon. There's a woman that appears. She's pregnant. She's crying out in birth pangs. There's another sign. There's a great red dragon. Now, people have done a lot with this imagery. With seven heads, ten horns, on his head were seven diadems. Isn't that crazy? His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Again, extraordinary imagery. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child who is to rule over all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Now, isn't that wild? I can't possibly tell you honestly what that meant unless I did a tremendous amount of study on this scripture. And even then, there would have to be some guess as to what it is. So what I'm saying to you is the book of Revelation has some fantastic verses which are easily discernible, but it also has verses that are almost impossible to identify. Moving right along. Now, verse 7 is very interesting. A war in heaven between Michael and his angels fighting the dragon. That's very real the tremendous cosmic battle between good and evil. And the angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and the angels were thrown down with him. Fabulous scripture. Verse 9. Very famous scripture. Revelation 12, 9. And a loud voice in heaven saying, verse 10, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down and accuses them day and night before our God. And they've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I've heard lots of sermons on that. The blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. The Lamb of God, remember, who takes away the sins of the world, John chapter 1, this is Jesus. And the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows his time is short. He doesn't have much time left. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back again. 
but he definitely doesn't have much time left. And so in this short time that you and I have, we want to pay and owe allegiance to God. We do not want to worship the devil. We want to owe allegiance to God Almighty. Now, in verse 13, which is the scripture on Thursday, the devil saw that he had been thrown to the earth. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. So we're back to that image again. And there's continued commentary about that through verse 17. The dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Very stark imagery, very powerful imagery. And so we end this session with Revelation 13, 1 through 10, and Revelation 13, 11 to 18. The first beast from 1 through 10, and the second beast. Now, I told you that those middle chapters are something else. Very hard to discern. A beast rising out of the sea in verse 1. Ten horns, seven heads, ten diadems, blasphemous names on their heads. They worship the dragon, for he had given authority to the beast, and they worship the beast. Who is like this beast? Who can fight against it? It opens its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that those who dwell in, for those who dwell in heaven. It was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. If anyone has ears, let him hear, verse 9. If anyone is to take captive, to captivity he goes. To anyone who's slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. So we're calling for the endurance of the elect. Then there's the second beast arising out of the earth. It exercises, verse 12, all the authority of the first beast in its presence. It performs great signs in verse 13. It's allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. In verse 15, it causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand of the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. This is the mark of the beast. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And this calls for wisdom. Verse 8, 9, 18 let the one who has understanding calculate the number on the beast, for it is the number of a man, and the number is six, six, six. That might be the most famous three numbers in the history of the world, six, six, six. And it's found in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation, the 18th verse about the second beast. Now, this second beast is extremely dangerous. So again, what does that mean? What does 666 mean? Now, I've been hearing interpretations about the 666 ever since I've been alive and going to church. Everybody's got an interpretation. Everybody's got a point of view. Got to be very careful about it. There's something certainly ominous about it, and you want to read the scriptures, you want to pray, you want to do some research, you want to make some notes but be very careful. All right, let's go to something in Luke chapter 11. But there is the famous verse, 
chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. All right, in chapter 11, verse 14, we find, interestingly enough, the confrontation between Jesus and Beelzebul. Now, Beelzebul is a demon, and the demon had gone out, and the people were marveling, and a demon went out of somebody, and they thought that Jesus was Beelzebul. But he says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will the kingdom stand? For I say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. So there's no way that he could be a person that's Beelzebul because he'd be destroying his own kingdom by casting out devils. Beautiful scripture. Then we have the return of the unclean spirit. When you cast demons out of people, you want to make sure you put something very positive back into their lives. Just a very important spiritual truth. Then we have the blessedness of hearing the word of God and doing it, a very simple phrase in verse 28. In the sign of Jonah, the light in you, and woe to the Pharisees and the lawyers. So what we've got here is we've got a series of miracles. We also have pronouncements by Jesus. We have teachings by Jesus. This is why you want to read the lectionary on a regular basis. It has information about Jesus that's very, very important. It's very, very significant. And he has some hard words to say about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. He talks about the leaven of the Pharisees in chapter 12, which is on Thursday, about having no fear for people that can kill your body but cannot kill your soul. Acknowledge me before men, and I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So as you go through the scriptures in Luke, you want to see, hear, and reflect upon and pray about the biblical truth that Jesus is sharing. There's a wonderful parable. We see it on Friday, Luke 12, 13 to 13 to 21, and then he talks through 31 about not being anxious and about trusting the Lord. There was a land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? Verse 17, I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. There's that scripture in the Bible. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required for you, of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, you and I need to be rich toward God. We need to put God first in our lives. We need an abundance of the word of God. We need an abundance of his favor. 
We need an abundance of his love. We need an abundance of his presence. We need to enrich ourselves with the word of God and the power of God. So be ready, he says on the last day, chapter 12, 32 to 48. Keep your lamps burning. Be ready for your master coming back. Be prepared for his coming. If he comes in the second watch or in the third, verse 38, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. We need to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And so we get ready by having our lamps burning and ready to meet God at all times. It's very, very important. Okay? And then finally we have a another parable about the faithful and wise manager. And he says at the end, on, in verse 48, everyone to whom much was given, of him much is required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. For all of us out there that have been given much, much is required. And if you've been entrusted with much, you'll be in in demand anymore. You'll be in demand fully. So, what you have and the giftedness you have is very important in the kingdom of God. It's very important before the Lord. You need to know what it is and use it for God's honor and glory. Lord God, Take these wonderful scriptures that we've read in Revelation and Luke and help us to hear them. Not all of them are easy to understand. Some of them are actually difficult to do, even when we know what they mean. But by your grace, fill us with your Holy Spirit and teach us in such a way in that we will be faithful stewards of your word. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You see, brothers and sisters, the key is to read the Word of God and to do the Word of God. It's very important that you know it, okay? And so that's why we're taking about 20, 25 minutes each week and just lightly glossing over each of the Scriptures and encouraging you and me to read these Scriptures, to get them in your heart and soul. And if you wanted to do additional work in terms of understanding, we will do that too. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week of reading, and I'll see you next time on The Word of God.